something came over me like out of nowhere, almost like God speaking to me. And I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a religious person. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't believe like in a God in the traditional sense, you know, like in a, in a, in a person, you know, in a white man with a beard sitting in the sky, you know, that's just, you know, that's again. But what I'm saying is, uh, there it was as if this type of a being just was talking to me, and I I stood I, I stood in place like this. It just came over me. I I stood in place, and she kept walking. She like stopped. She looked back at me, and I was like, I said, Lana, you know what? I will heal my knee without surgery. Hi, it's Calvin Niles, the mindful storyteller. And I am delighted to share with you stories of awakening. Each week, I'm going to be talking to people from around the world of various backgrounds and experiences. People I love, I know, and people I admire, but also those who are completely new to me. One thing all my guests will have in common is that they have been through a journey of awakening. By awakening, I mean a call to higher consciousness and deeper self-awareness beyond material reality. These stories will be real, challenging, funny, stimulating, and insightful. We're going to take our good time with these conversations. So listen from your comfy chair with your favorite drink, or on your weekend stroll, your morning routine, or whatever makes you happy. Stories of Awakening with me, Calvin Niles, and I look forward to you tuning in. Brilliant. Well, Philip, it's so great to have you joining me for this conversation on, on Stories of Awakening. And I know you have some powerful experiences to share, and I haven't heard a single part of it yet. So I'm really excited to get stuck in with you and uh, and welcome you and find out uh, a little a little bit more about your own journey amazing all right well thank you very much for having me so yes i'm here to uh to share whatever i got absolutely thank you so much so philip you you i know you have a, a business you um work in uh, uh, awakened entrepreneurship and you know, the awakening part is is the part where we're overlapping because, of course, you've been through some challenges yourself in your life. And, you know, yeah. where did your whole journey of awakening start? Uh, great question. Well, let me let me first talk about why I call my website Awaken Entrepreneurship and why I call my kind of YouTube channel Awaken Entrepreneurship and why this is kind of what I'm all about. There are two kinds of awakening, really. Two kinds of awakening. One is a spiritual awakening, something that we basically we go deeper and deeper into ourselves, and we become more and more silent and more present. Right. That's that's the that's the Buddha's way, right? That's this is the way of the Buddha, and and I'm gonna kind of correct that a little bit as well. But basically, we're entering the Buddha field. And that is the awakening that uh, is kind of we traditionally think about. There's another kind of awakening where you awaken to your creativity, to your creative power. Uh, this is very important because, so let me, because you asked me about my, my journey, kind of the, the story of um, how I 
came up with awakened entrepreneurship and we over we do overlap in the awakened part so i pr i should probably start uh, talking about this uh, <clears throat> going back to 2011 when basically i lost my mother my mother died and it, you can imagine it was just a very difficult time just a very it was the hardest thing that ever happened to me it was like oh my god how how does a person even deal with that it was just very very difficult and and then a friend a very good friend of mine introduced me to Eckhart Tolle now we we probably all know that we, we are in this uh, kind of spiritual uh, space we uh, uh, we probably have all heard, heard about Eckhart Tolle I, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're you familiar who, uh, with that person yes I've heard I've heard of him and seen you have heard of him okay well here's the thing basically um this my friend gave me his audio and i began listening to the audio and the audio and it, that, that audio really began to help me cope with my internal pain i really began to help me and i was like wow this is this is really helpful this is amazing i am i am becoming really more present i understand what I'm beginning to understand what, like, how to deal with with death and loss. I'm becoming, I'm kind of becoming spiritual. And for the first time in my life, I became, I came in touch with someone who was talking about this Buddha field, becoming silent, and basically the fundamental, the, I would say, the foundation of the teaching is the foundation of of all spiritual teachings out there. Zen. Buddhism, it is basically getting away from thought, getting away from the mind, and becoming thoughtless and sort of mindless. Not not in the bad sense, obviously mindless, but um, detaching from the mind, disassociating with thinking, disassociating from the mind, and that was just tremendously helpful in dealing with my pain. And that that was absolutely wonderful, and. I kept practicing what Eckhart was kind of teaching. I kept practicing that and practicing, and I noticed that I was becoming, in fact, more present and more silent, accepting, very accepting, very surrendering to the present moment, very much in the present moment, um, observing and witnessing my thinking, and also witnessing how my the kind of the, the whirlwind of thoughts diminished gradually diminished diminished and yes i was thinking a little bit less and it was feeling wonderful it was it was, it was feeling better and better however the, the interesting part was that i began to i began to notice something else i was not happy with the job i had at the time i was not happy with my living situation at the time i was just not happy with my life situation in um, overall my, my entire environment and basically almost every aspect of my life and then i realized that in order for me to do something about it i need to think about it and now here i am and now here i am i'm my I, basically thoughts like the process of thinking was kind of almost demonized for me 
I was like, wait a second, you're, you're you know, I'm, I'm not supposed to think because thinking is now the enemy, the mind is now the enemy. And uh, so what am I supposed to do? If, if I want to manifest a new reality for myself, I probably should not be, you know, I probably should be engaged with thinking. And, and, that, and that was a tremendous conflict for me. That, that was a very, very, uh, it, it was a very intense conflict at the time. Thanks for being part of this conversation. One of the things I'm learning during this series is that the chapters of each person's story are still being written. If you are conscious of a new story wanting to emerge in your life, but the clutter of your mind is slowing you down, a simple way to start is by decluttering your physical space. Subscribe and download my free ebook, Simplify Your Life, helping you to declutter and make way for the things that matter. Download your free copy at www.simplifyandmakespace.com. Com. It did its that whole process did its job of pulling me out of kind of this darkness and into a path of learning and trying to figure out wait a second how could this be how is it possible that um, I am supposed to be thoughtless mm. or I'm supposed to be thinking less but at the same time I find myself in a in a situation that I really dislike. I, I, I feel like I must do something about it and in order to do something about it, now we're getting into the realm of doing and thinking. So basically we're going from the, from the realm of no mind to the realm of mind. And that was a conundrum for me. So, but, but at the same time, if I'm becoming, if I'm now engaging with my mind in order to manifest reality, now I'm becoming less spiritual all of a sudden. Am I being less spiritual now? Uh, okay, am I forgetting the teaching of Eckhart? Is that what it is? And that basically got me started on this whole journey of figuring this out. Because I wanted to know. I wanted to know what is going on and how to deal with this. How to deal with this conundrum, with this duality. Well, gradually, I'm just going to kind of um, jump forward probably basically years. It took me years of years of figuring it out, years of kind of thinking about it and meditating and do and doing all kinds of practices. But at some point, at some point, I found myself kind of um, in, in, in a practice. Kind of, I naturally kind of arrived at a practice where I was where I meditated. And I, will, I, and I always work with my mind. So I, I, I work with no mind. So part of my practice was getting, kind of getting away from thinking, witnessing, getting into the witnessing and surrender. But the next part was the mind part. So that the no mind, which is the meditation and the mind part, which is kind of insight and, and manifesting. And, and, I find my, and I found myself practicing like uh, engaging in that practice and that practice led me to some amazing results that was just very interesting to me that how wow I was like wait a second this this is fascinating how uh I'm I'm getting amazing insights about this so I made this the I made this the subject of my study I made this like the primary thing and during one of my sessions, I had meditated and then I was just sitting in silence and contemplating this. It just 
it just came over me that, Philip, the answer is awaken entrepreneurship. The answer is awaken entrepreneurship. Now, how come? Because, well, I want the awaken part because I'm, I really want to be in the Buddha field. I don't know, maybe 100% of the time. That's, that maybe the, is, this is kind of the goal of every, every Buddhist monk is to become enlightened, right? And then they spend their whole lives meditating and praying as well, doing all, all types of things. But essentially the, the goal is enlightenment. Now, of course, ironically, uh, for as long as you, that is your goal, you are precluded from being enlightened. That is that's just that's very that that is very interesting. That's something that happened to the Buddha himself, like to Gautama, to Siddhartha Gautama. Now, of course, we know who that is. That 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 is like the man. That is the man, <laughs> the man <laughs> who uh, who gave us who gave us this amazing teaching. Even though there have been Buddhas before him as well, but he came out with this amazing teaching and everything. Basically, the most like kind of illustrious Buddha. And then I would engage, so that would be the no mind part. And then I would engage with the mind part. And I no longer, gradually by engaging in this practice, I no longer felt a conflict. I just no longer felt a conflict between the two. And it became more of a dance. It is not a conflict, but it's rather a dance. It is a dance between between <clears throat> engaging and disengaging. And so I just spoke about the awakened part, but the entrepreneurship part. Now, why entrepreneurship? Entrepreneurship, because really it comes from a French word that means to undertake something. Basically to, to take something up and run with it, just to do something out of the ordinary. Just get up or, you know, just get off the couch and do something, <laughs> okay? That's essentially what it means. It just means to undertake. And so it doesn't mean that, let's say, if I'm engaging in awakened entrepreneurship, it doesn't mean that I aspire to be like Elon Musk or something like that. That's just, that, that's just not what it's about. Yes, I, I want a, uh, you know, I want to create a profitable business. If I'm an entrepreneur, that, you know, part of it, it means that you're creating a profitable business, some sort of, some sort of uh, stream of income that is aligned with your <clears throat> purpose, that is aligned with your true life purpose. Now, of course, purpose is a big part of it. Now, so that, so now we're dealing with awakened part, which, which is not is not creative, it's just silence and witnessing. And then we're dealing with the entrepreneurship part, which is pure creation, creation. And again, another reason why entrepreneurship and not just, um, not just like doing something, not just like being doing. Yes, the uh, awakened the awakened part is being. The entrepreneurship part is doing, but it's a very sophisticated type of doing. So entrepreneurship is a type of doing in that allows you to build a completely customized reality for yourself. <laughs> now, and why is that important? Now you may say, okay, Philip, yeah, but now you know we're talking about setting goals. You know, um, doing making a financial plan, making a marketing plan. What does that? What does that? Any of that have to do with spirituality? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm kind of like anticipating a question, right? But I, I, I'm guessing you know that would be like really, Philip. These seem like a little bit like oil and vinegar. <laughs> well, actually, I, I was going to ask you. I mean, that was definitely a question 
I thought would arise because, you know, a lot of people listening to this will be thinking, yeah, you know, all right, I'm awakened. Should I sit under a tree and just stay there for the rest of my life? What should I do? What is that? What does awakened even mean in the context of being here, you know, in the world? And now what does my life look like? <laughs> you know, what guides my decisions? What do my activities look like? And so on. So that's a really fascinating thing. I'd love to hear your perspective on. And, and I think you already sort of alluded to that with the entrepreneurship yes. part, yes. Um, like the undertaking. And, uh, and I didn't even know that, by the way, that was the original word. So now I can say that I'm an undertaker. <laughs> you are. <laughs> You're exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, Good one. <laughs> but uh, what I wanted to ask was, if we could just go back a little bit around. So you had this real difficulty, of course, with the grief of the loss that you experienced and what what is this whole life thing all about? And then you discovered uh, Eckhart Tolle's teachings from his audio book or something similar. Yeah. How did you discover that? I mean, did someone recommend it to you? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah, a friend of mine gave it to me. A friend yeah. of mine just gave it to me because he thought it might be helpful. He had been listening to Eckhart and he was like, hey, you know, what? why don't you listen to this one? Okay, this is, this might help. Just yeah. check it out. Yeah. And he knew I was kind of guy that who would actually take and actually listen to it and uh, and, and, and do the work, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, so you already had a kind of openness about you. And I guess sometimes when you're grieving and when you're in pain, that you're more open than you would ordinarily be, I guess, to things, to trying new things or experiencing new perspectives, maybe. Is that Calvin, right? uh, Yes, you know what? It's a good question. The thing is that, Prior to prior to us doing this this podcast, I was thinking, okay, where should I start my kind of like uh, my retelling? Okay, because there there was there were several things that happened in my life. Mm -hmm. The first, and um, I, I was thinking, should I start with that? Because the thing is that something happened to me way even before my mother's death. It was was about five years prior to that that opened me up to the transcendent. It opened me up to the transcendent, basically. I was about 30 years old and I received a trauma. I received a trauma during a dancing lesson. Okay, <laughs> don't ask, okay, dancing lesson. I received a trauma and it happens. If it, it, it's kind of athletic type of dancing and I made a wrong move and I tore my ACL in my left knee. It was extremely excruciatingly painful. An ACL is an anterior cruciate ligament. So it's a major stabilizing ligament in the knee. If you, you know, if you're, let's say, a professional athlete and you pop it, yeah, they have to go in and do the surgery. Even if you're a layperson like myself, I went to the doctors and all the doctors told me, Philip, you need to have a surgery. Okay, basically. And, and the surgery involves basically what they do is they slice, they slice a part of you for the graft then they drill through two bones then they then they pull this graft through the bones and they affix it in affix it in place with screws i thought to myself you know um i might pass on that just for the time being at least <laughs> because it's not <laughs> it was just not my idea of fun the problem <laughs> the problem was i mean this is the way the western medicine i i 
I am not knocking on Western medicine. I am not because I understand its importance. I understand its, its greatness and uh, definitely not knocking on it. However, it has limitations. And uh, because everywhere I went, they told me that, hey, Philip, you need to have uh, you need to have a surgery. And that was the surgery I was supposed to have. And it seemed like even worse than the original injury because that was going to be another injury. And it's a, 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 a terrifying one. So long story short, uh, the problem was that the problem was that I had severe pain in the left knee during walking, especially during some of the moves while walking and I had a limp. I was really, really limping. It was really, it was really bad. And nothing I tried worked. physical therapy, massage, all kinds of alternative treatments available through the Western medicine did nothing, nothing. I still had a limp. I couldn't straighten out my leg fully. So here's what happened. I uh, basically, I thought to myself, I need to find a way. I really want to find a way to heal myself without surgery. Heal myself without surgery. So now the question was, how do I do that? And I went on a whole journey. I actually described the journey on one of my articles on my, uh, on my website. Basically, that journey took me, I, I basically, I got serious about it. And I absolutely wanted to do that without surgery. And at some point, it became kind of personal. I was like, you know what? I want that healing and, 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 and kind of, and I want it now. <laughs> okay, I just basically, I want it. And I don't want to go through the surgery. Okay. I, in the course of that journey, I traveled to, uh, I traveled to Europe for the first time to a special, there's like a town in Czech Republic where they supposedly they specialize in, in joint diseases, but they, again, they did nothing for me. They kind of alleviated a little bit of the, uh, of the um, inflammation because they specialize in kind of degenerative dis diseases as I found, found out while I was there. However, very interestingly, and this ties into something else, uh, you may be familiar with um, Joseph Campbell, Pretty sure you know who Joseph Campbell is. He is also like the man. He's also the man. <laughs> he is, uh, yeah, well, you know, he's the author of this whole hero's journey. And of course, this looking back in retrospect, after I had gone through that journey of trying to heal my knee, I was like, oh my God, this was like a real hero's journey, that thing. One interesting aspect of it that happened to me when I was in this little spa town in, in, in Europe, I met, uh, I met a lady there. And, and we kind of have a very short-lived kind of relationship over there, right? A very, very short-lived. But, but at one point, I remember asking her, like, you know, telling her about my injury. And she, she was a health coach. She was kind of, kind of a health coach. And she told, and she was very much into kind of self-healing and using the body's mechanisms to, like, the body's own, own potential to heal, to heal yourself. And she told me about it. And she said, you know what? Maybe, maybe you could think of healing yourself. And he gave me an idea. She said, okay, you could do this. You could do that. You could do with your mind, like with your mind, you can do like you could. And she gave me a bunch of like ancient Chinese medicine kind of type of exercises. But they, they were not really meant to work for this type of a serious injury. But they gave me, uh, and I, but they opened my mind to the possibility of healing myself. 
And that was a very important shift. The important shift was from, okay, now here I am looking for the doctor, looking for somebody, hey, you come here, I'm gonna lie down on the table and you heal me. And I'm just gonna be passive about it. All I have to do is find you and you are gonna heal me. But now my mind switched to the possibility of healing myself. And that is very different because this is, this is very active. This is an active way of healing. And um, it, it's very different because now I take responsibility for my own healing. It's, it's, so it was a, quite a radical shift. So in terms of Joseph Campbell's work, that was kind of like meeting with the goddess. You know, you can, so I, and she was, she was a goddess in a sense. She, she was, she was an amazing, amazing lady. So she really opened my mind. And I had a few other interesting conversations with her. That, so that was a very transformative trip. Now, it did not result in healing my, my knee because it was in, in that sense, I, I, I thought it was kind of disappointing. But then when I came back to New York, I was like, hmm, interesting. So wait a second, there's, there's something to this. So I'm, I've been, maybe I've been looking kind of in the wrong places or something, but that was just an idea at the moment. Now, a little bit later, I had one of these Satori experiences. It was a real Satori experience. I was walking with a friend of mine. That must have been a, maybe a few weeks in, like into, like a few weeks after my trip to, uh, to Czech Republic, to Eastern Europe. I was taking a walk in the park with my friend. This was, again, a few weeks after my trip to, to Europe. Again, with, uh, with another female friend. And we were just talking on, about something and it had nothing to do with my knee. But then at one moment uh, during our conversation and our walk, I just stood because something came over me. Something came over me like out of nowhere, almost like God speaking to me. And I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a religious person. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I, was, you know I, I don't believe like in a God in the traditional sense, you know, like in a, in a, in a person, you know, in a white man with a beard sitting in the sky, you know, that's just, you know, that's again. But what I'm saying is, uh, there, it was as if this type of a being just was talking to me. And I, I stood, I, I stood in place like this. It just came over me. I, I stood in place and she kept walking. She like stopped. She looked back at me. And I was like, I said, Lana, you know what? I will heal my knee without surgery. I will. There's like no question about it. No question. Now that was a moment, like, and as I was speaking this, it, it was as if almost godlike I was speaking a reality, a reality into existence, because it was almost like I, I was like anointed to do that. You know, it was, it was like I can't even explain this, this experience, but I had absolute positive knowledge. Not it was, it's beyond faith, because faith allows a possibility of it not happening. But there was no possibility of it not happening in this particular moment. In this moment, it was absolute positive knowledge, no, absolutely no question about it. This will happen. And I was like, oh, like even like I'm, as I'm telling you the story, like right now, I'm getting like this, like like that same feeling. I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> and she was looking at me, and uh, I was like, hey, she was like, you okay? And I'm like, yes, I am okay. So a Satori experience, so that was a Satori experience. It, it was a, an experience of uh, ex, kind of extreme 
Um, well, this was an experience of extreme insight, faith, and desire all coalescing together, kind of indicating a complete reality of a future event. It, it, it was this one. I call it Satori, but uh, traditionally Satori, what it means is a temporary state of enlightenment. Uh, for example, the Buddha, when he became the Buddha, he entered a permanent state of enlightenment. Like he became enlightened, it switched on for him, and that was it. it he, like, you know, once he went there, he, you, you cannot go back. That, that's a permanent state of Buddhahood. Now, a Satori, um, Satori is similar to that because it is, it is also a state of enlightenment. But it's a state of enlightenment that doesn't last long. It doesn't last forever. It, it, a lot of people, maybe even most people, have had an experience of Satori at some point. And I've had such experiences also in my life where there was no thinking whatsoever. That was, a, that was a state of Satori. And I would be in that state for like several minutes at a time. And I was like, Wow. And without even thinking, like, but, but kind of wondering, it was a sense of wonder, like, what is this? I'm just observing the reality around me and nothing bothers me. That's a Satori experience. So I kind of use the word Satori for this one. This one was more of an epiphany. And an epiphany is slightly is really different from Satori. Satori is an experience of no mind, but an epiphany is a Kind of experience of mind. It's it's experience. It's an experience of an intense insight. If we, you know, again, many of us are familiar with the Think and Grow Rich, the book. It, it very much it, it, the book deals with uh, tra the transcendent very much because there's the concept of uh, infinite intelligence, and that was it, that was the moment me connecting with the infinite intelligence. No question about it. In other words, like the way I like the word God for me. I, I use the word infinite intelligence. Yes, I am a believer in infinite intelligence because out of experience, because based on my experience, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Wow. Kind of, I tapped into that infinite intelligence and the infinite intelligence told me, Philip, you will heal your knee without surgery, just like you want to. End of story, you will. That's powerful. Uh, and in that moment, um, that's when you had your... Um transcendent experience and were you kind of aware at that point in time while you're having it that this is a transcendent experience or did you have like a few years later then look back at that period in the past and go ah oh, so that's what that was you know when did that kind of penny drop and you realize wow that was my that was one of my ripples of awakening if you like or you know mm -hmm. that was that ex satori experience or epiphany or that real aha moment where the reality just shifted did you notice it in that moment or how did that unfold uh in that what i felt in that moment was that i knew it was a completely new experience that i never had never had before and the intensity of it was so profound that it, it was also very, it was very inspiring because it lasted, it lasted, I don't know, about a minute or something like that. And because the intensity of it, you know, like an orgasm, like a spiritual orgasm, you know, and then it subsided, then it subsided, but it didn't subside entirely. It didn't subside entirely. It's still something of it remained, kind of a vibration of it remained. And... <clears throat> 
yes i i recognized it as a um, i recognized it as a profound experience i couldn't quite tell i couldn't i couldn't i didn't know what to make of it quite frankly at the time i didn't know what to make of it now later because because prior to that moment remember uh, because initially you asked me the question, how did you came upon like spirituality and transcendence? But prior to that, I had not had any really any experience of the transcendent per se, or at least not something that I could recognize easily. Okay, maybe something, maybe something like uh, synchronicity, but I didn't, I didn't even know the word synchronicity at the time. I, because I had, I, I had just not been into that kind of stuff. You know, <laughs> so I didn't know what to make of it. But later, later, after I had I, I, and after I had undergone this journey and I read Think and Grow Rich and then I and then, you know, uh, then after my mother's death, that that loss, I became introduced because Think and Grow Rich is all about, again, creativity, manifesting, manifesting. It's all about engaging with the mind. But then after the loss that I suffered, I, you know, I shifted, like I swung all the way to the other end of the spectrum of being silent. And that's when I became, um, you know, familiar with spirituality and what that was about. I had no idea about that either. As I learned more and more about, um, about these things, about manifesting, kind of, because it, it is... Our, it, it is intrinsic in our nature to manifest. We manifest all the time, like we manifest every day. You know, you know, I, I you know, I get hungry, I want to eat, so I manifest a breakfast. I just go and eat. You know, I just go, I just go to the, the to the store, buy something, come home. I just manifest it. But it's a very crude type of manifesting, very simple, very easy. But we do it every day. But anyway, so yes, to answer your question, that's as I. As I gained more and more knowledge, and as I um, began to practice meditation and contemplation and all these things, the reality of that experience in the park where I like where I got that epiphany about my healing made more and more sense to me. And I had similar experiences after that as well. So the profundity of that experience then carried you through for the next few years and then I guess when you went through the the challenge of the grieving through your uh, with your mother's death then you had a degree of openness when your friend said to you hey listen to this tape or right. look at this book or what have you right. you already kind of knew okay this might be helpful or this is a sign or something inside of you was already willing to accept this that created that space is that right yeah you, you could say that the thing is that i didn't know what to expect from that audio because prior to receiving that audio uh, from eckhart holly where he tells his story the pretty much the same story that he tells in uh in in his book the power of now i haven't even read that book because i have I, i'm a i'm like i'm a uh, um, uh, auditory uh, learner much more than i am a you know, it takes me a very long time to read a book, but I, mean, I still read books. I still read books, but in, you know, he, he tells all of his main ideas in his talks, basically. But I had, I didn't, I had no idea what I was getting into. 
Very interestingly, very interestingly, prior to that, years prior to the moment when my, my friend gave me that audio by Cartoli, I actually had a video recording of Eckhart Tolle in one of his talks. I had it on my hard drive. I got it from somewhere. I don't remember. I downloaded it from somewhere. But I never, I, I, like, I started watching it. And then I, I, at the time, I was, it was a very difficult time for me as well. Like I was kind of like, it was just a very diff difficult time for me because of like, extreme burnout. I was almost like, like on the verge of a nervous breakdown. I would say it was actually a nervous breakdown <laughs> of sorts. And I had that video, but when I started watching it, Eckhart Tolle did not impress me as a human being. When I, he walked out on stage and he was very, very, this very simple, very like scrumpy, un unimpressive man. And he just sat, I sat on, the, on this chair and was just silent for a while. And that's when I turned it off. I was like, okay, <laughs> this is not, not going to help me. This is not going to help me. I need something else. So I was not ready, you see? I was not ready for uh to ex i was not ready to experience silence and presence i was completely in my in my mind in my head at the time so the first time i was introduced to the, the idea of just presence and silence was that time when my friend gave me that audio and i again i didn't know what to do do with it and then what to make of it i i, I had no anticipation of what it, it was going to be about and then he started talking and then I started listening and then he was talking with a lot of pauses and he's saying things like, well, we're going to be here together for three hours. Now that may seem a long time to some of you, but it's not because the speaker is boring, but it's because you have difficulty spending time with yourself. And so on. I was like, it, it, was, it was really annoying a little bit in the, in the beginning, but I was like, wow. And it, so it was, it was like story without story. It was talking without talking. It was talking to get away from thinking. That was just, that was a completely new concept for me. So the, yeah, that was very, that was very profound. After that experience on the park where I received that epiphany, I, I went back home and within the next few days, here's what happened. I, kind of, I realized, I said to myself, Philip, you've always been Googling stuff, just searching, like, right? Searching, searching, Googling stuff in English. But I'm also, I'm, I happen to be fluent in Russian. So why don't I do a search in Russian? It's just, again, it's another, it kind of like you know it's another world right it's another perspective something new may pop up who knows and i did i i, I googled something in russian something like okay how to heal a torn acl and meniscus something like that and i just there was the first page of results and again you know the russian results are very similar to to the results in english you know apply i like elevate apply eyes have surgery Okay, blah, 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 blah. I go through these pages and around page seven, eight, something like that of Google search results, there's this obscure, not even a website, but just a little web page that looks like an, like an online brochure, just like an online brochure, extremely crude, nothing to click on it. It was almost like an image, I think. It was, it was nothing there to even like click through. 
but it was just one page saying there was, <laughs> there was a very silly kind of stuck image of, of a nurse like like doing something like someone in like a white like in a blue gown like applying something clearly a stock image then it says something like if you have uh, it, if, if you have a torn um, a torn ligament or a meniscus if you have a serious trauma and you want to do it without surgery we help you we help you by means of a gymnastics there are special gymnastics we help you with gymnastics and that's how you do it no surgery necessary i was like well, that's it it was and uh, unfortunately it wasn't moscow i shouldn't say unfortunately but the place that, that the doctor that practiced it, it and, and by the way it, it, it was a, there was a phone number and the doctor's name and that was it okay <laughs> so and it was it was kind of late in the evening so it was really really uh, like deep in the night in moscow at the time so what i did was uh, i called them in the morning i, I picked the time like uh, like took a little break from from work and i dialed the number and the doctor picked up the doctor picked up i was like hi uh, i'm uh, is this doctor such and such and he's he's like yes how can i help you I was like, well, <laughs> I have, um, you, go, I, you know, I saw your ad online and like your, your website online and I do have a torn ACL and I have a torn meniscus. Uh, he's like, okay, come over. I can help you. I said, okay, okay. No problem. I, maybe I can come over. I was like, come over. Okay. Uh, um, I'm like, well, I'm, I, I'm in New York. I'm in New York. And, uh, he, and he was like, he was very quickly, Russian style. He was like, listen, I don't care where you are. You're in New York. I don't care where you are. In order for me to help you, you have to be here. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I said, okay, uh, how much is it going to be? So he, tell, he told me the price. It was reasonable. He told me the price. I said, um, but how long? And he, and he was like, and the next question, he was like, uh, uh, Look, I can't really speak because I'm with a, you know, I'm with a patient right now. So let, let's let's cut to the chase here. I'm like, okay, <laughs> so uh, for how long should I come? Like ideally, and he was like, come for um, two weeks. Optimal is two weeks. You have to be here. And he said, and and hurry because uh, my birthday is coming up and I'm going on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay. <laughs> so that was my. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah. He helped you a little bit there to just get here now. But just get here the, now. Kevin, here's the thing. Here's the thing. There was something in his voice that I knew he was for real. I knew he was for real. He was not trying to sell me on anything. He was not, he did not need me in any single way. But I knew that I needed him, and and he and he knew it, and I knew it. We both knew it on the phone, and I was like, "Okay, doc, I'll see you soon." Three days later, I was in Moscow. So that was my after a ninety-second interview. What it, it lasted no more than ninety seconds. That whole thing. So I booked the hotel. I booked uh, uh, my my air tickets. Three days later, I was in Moscow. And uh, a couple of days later, the basically the treatment began. And the treatment was basically you walk in, there's a there's a bunch of people, and everybody's doing like strange movements and strange like strange gymnastics, very strange movements that I had never seen before. I was like, oh, what is that? 
But basically, I was there from like 10 in the morning till about 4 p.m. So like six to seven hours a day of just learning it, learning it, learning it, absorbing it. Because what you do is, it's not they don't treat you in a traditional traditional sense. They teach you how to cure yourself, how to heal yourself. And that's what I was learning there. So basically, long story short, I was learning, I was learning, and turned out the, the doctor was really a great guy. And he gave me like, a, he found out that I was a student. He gave me a huge discount. He was like, okay, just pay this. Okay, don't worry about it. Now, I, I met uh, some of the top Russian movie stars there because they were they had a lot of you know they had injuries from like stunts and and car races and stuff like that. They were there um, like Russian ballet dancers, so like really interesting people. And they they had injuries because of their professions, and they came to him, and he really was helping them. I was like, oh, this is interesting. <clears throat> so. A few interesting things happens there. Uh, happened there. I, I'm, I'm gonna kind of skip over. So I came back. So two weeks later, I came back to New York. Did I heal? Did I heal my knee during the two weeks stay there? No, I did not. But I did have kind of an inkling of a possibility. There, that was all. So I got to work. I get. I got back to New York. I got to work. I got to work. I got to work. So working like doing for an hour every day. An hour every day, about six days a week. I would take out time, you know, like I would shorten my lunch and I would just do the gymnastics for like one hour. But I did it every day, like in a dedicated way. Like after a month of that, I, I called the doctor. I said, doc, this is really, it, it's really not working. It's really not doing it for me. It's really not doing it for me. You know, unfortunately, you know, I'm, um, uh, I still have pain. I still can't, I can't extend the leg and so on. I still have the same symptoms. He's like, Philip, you can always go in for the surgery. Just remember that it's never too late. You can always go in for the surgery. Do the work, get back to work. I'm like, okay. So another month passes and I'm like, and still the results are just not coming. They're just not coming. So I call the doctor and I'm like, doc, sorry, you know, I, I don't know. I'm really considering a surgery because, you know, it's really not working. And he really yelled at me at this time. He was like, listen, Stop bitching, okay, and, and do the work, and do the work. And he told me something very interesting. He said, Philip, this is what's going to happen. Let me tell you what's going to happen to you. You're going to be doing, doing, working, doing the work, doing the work, and it's going to seem like nothing is happening. But then, and he gave me an analogy. Think of a, think of a stone cutter. Like a stone cutter, he wants to cut a slab of a stone, right? He wants to cut it in half. Or he wants to, like, dissect it. He wants to cut it. He hits it once, nothing happens. He hits it twice, nothing happens. Not nothing. Not even a rift, nothing. Not, not, nothing. No, no sign of anything happening. In the stone. But he keeps hitting it. He hits it, he hits it, and it seems like there is nothing happening. And, and at one point, he hits it, and boom, and it just splits open. The same thing is going to happen with you. You're going to, you're going to keep working on it and it's going to seem like nothing is happening but in reality something is happening inside you're just everything is getting prepared for the healing everything is pre being pre getting you know everything you're getting everything ready and but then what you're going to feel something you're going to feel like oh you're going to have a breakthrough and then within two days of that breakthrough you're going to be healed i was like okay all right doc, no problem i get back to work about two weeks later 
I'm doing my gymnastics, I'm doing my gymnastics. And all of a sudden I'm like, wait a second. I felt something. I was like, what is that? Like my leg all of a sudden began to extend. To extend. Like I, I was feeling my leg extending fully without any pain. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And he told me, and, and when, you, when you have that little breakthrough, don't go crazy, don't grow, go overboard and like become overexcited and just like, ah, you know, and just don't, don't rip yourself to pieces, okay? What that happens, just keep moving. I didn't really listen. I was like, oh, this is exciting. Something is happening. And I just, I just went, went to it, but it worked out for me. The next day, the next day while doing the gymnastics, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. And I'm like, Philip, wait a second. What is going on here? I have no more pain. I can extend my leg apparently fully. And I don't seem to have a limp at this point. Like what, what's going on? Okay, so what I, what I needed to do at the moment just to check in with myself, I'm like, okay, let me stand on my left leg fully extended. Something I had not been, been able to do in the past six months. And I stand on it and I still have a cycle. There's a psychological trauma that remains, right? You're, you're still psychologically not there. You're physically already there, but psychologically you're still afraid. And I'm still afraid. I'm like, oh, it's gonna probably gonna hurt. And it's not, it's not hurting. Oh, I, and all of a sudden I'm standing on my left leg fully extended and there is no pain. I'm like, wow. So I got dressed and I went outside just to test out my new walk, basically. <laughs> just test out how am I walking. And I'm like, and I'm walking in the street and there is no limp and there is no pain and I'm recovered. I'm and recovered. you put your headphones in and say, you can tell by the way I walk. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like that would be next level for me. That would be next level for me. I try that later. That day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. By the way, you should mention that, but very interestingly, when after like after this happened, when my 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 best friend, when he saw me and he lived a few blocks away from me, and sometimes we just take a walk on the, on the street. And we, you know, I said, Hey, let's, you know, let's, you know, let's let's go out like just for a walk and let's hang out and chat. And I went out, and as I was walking on the street. And he was facing me and he was walking. When we met, he was like, listen, there's something different about you, he said. This, the, the way you're walking is different from the way you used to walk. It's a different way of walking. And the doctor told me that, that it, you would feel like your gait would be better than prior to the surgery and your whole overall physical condition would be better than it was prior to the surgery. Uh, not the surgery, the injury, prior to the injury. So anyway, that's, that is the conclusion of that story. But the, but the thing is that you see the epiphany was absolutely right. The epiphany was true. The epiphany was true. I didn't in fact receive a healing without surgery. Okay. And so of course, after that happened, you see, looking back, of course, after you received the healing, looking back at that epiphany, you're thinking it, it was not, it was not just a psychological experience. It was a, a profound interaction with reality like you know with uh, with the infinite intelligence that simply you know that knew the infinite intelligence knew that there was a way to do it it implanted that it just it just opened a frequency of that knowledge like i've kind of tuned into that knowledge that was available at the time 
And that was it. And, and all I had to do was just do the work to actually bring it about. Yeah, I'm You're so saying? glad that you shared that because I'm so glad that, that, that you shared that in such a really easy to grasp way as well, because, you know, people listening to this are going to have normal injuries they're going to have like we all do right and then sure. you know it's like yeah that's that's real that's tangible so I'm so glad you actually told me that story to the end as much as I kept asking you <laughs> about things in the past of course so thank you for sharing that and um wow it's really really quite profound that is it that ha having had that experience then you know um looking back there is that degree of right okay so you know when people say sometimes uh, you know the story is not really told while you're in it the story is told afterwards and is it that kind of now I look back I can see that yeah. yes that was true and I guess that's also quite reassuring for future challenges too when they come it's like I can't see the end I can't see what the result is, but it doesn't mean that there is none. It doesn't right. mean that. Is right. it, it's, a, it's really quite a reassuring and restoring kind of experience yeah. too. Of course, of course, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So where has that brought you to after that? Now, I know that 10 years have now gone and you've been doing, you're doing awakened entrepreneurship and everything else. So what's the what's the step forward now for you and uh i guess maybe one thing we could share that how how do people what do people really need to do when they're having their own awakenings and you know what would you say to them someone's having an awakening or maybe they may be experiencing an opportunity to awaken right now is there something you might might be able to share uh, that they can take away yes absolutely so there are a couple of things that um I would like to mention uh, to help people to kind of um, just just to intellectually because sometimes you need to uh, to begin intellectually so that you could actually have some kind of an understanding and then you can do it practically and then it becomes experiential. <clears throat> Excuse me. So the first thing I would like to mention is that there is a spectrum. There is a spectrum in in us humans. There is a spectrum between extreme presence and extreme creation. Here, here's, here's what I mean by this. Now picture someone like Eckhart Tolle, for example, or I'll give another extreme example, someone like uh, Ramana Maharshi. You may be familiar with Ramana Maharshi. He's a very, very silent man. So, uh, and Eckhart Tolle is also a very silent man after his uh, after his uh, enlightenment. And I believe that he's an enlightened man because the way he, describes his experience, it's consistent with, uh, the, you know, the experiences of the Buddhas of the past. So yes, like Eckhart sat on the bench, sat on the bench in the park for a couple of years, sometimes forgetting to eat because he was just, just enjoying this blissful experience of not having to think or to do anything whatsoever. And so he just had to, uh, and sometimes he, you know, he like someone would give him food and he would, he would just eat, but it, he didn't really care much about it. The same thing about Ramana Maharshi. He also, he also didn't care about any like self-care or, or eating. 
he just experienced this epiphany that he didn't have, he didn't want to have to do anything with the world. He didn't want to do anything. He just didn't want to do anything. And he was, he was just a kid at the time. He was like 15 years old, maybe 14, you know? And he, all, all he wanted to do is to sit at the temple. He just came to the temple and just kind of lay down and, and they, they had to force feed him for a few days or something. It's just complete non-doing, non-thinking, no thinking, no doing, just, like, just in this state of present moment. No past, no future, nothing whatsoever. So, the, but what I, what I want to point out is that these people are like this by nature. Just remember that, that you, like someone like myself, I, do, I would not expect to have a spontaneous awakening like that because I happen to be more creative. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a bit towards the other end of the spectrum. Now on the other end of the spectrum, on the creative spectrum, is someone like Tony Robbins. Now, can you imagine Tony Robbins sitting still for five minutes? It's very hard. And now I'm, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he may, <laughs> you know, <laughs> now he may be, he may be able to, he may meditate all for all, for all I know. I mean, there's a picture of him on the internet just sitting, sitting and meditating. But I'm not convinced that he actually does that every day. But maybe, maybe <laughs> but <laughs> you know, but he's, but the thing is that it's his, it, it is his neural potential. Something that we are born with is our neural potential. We cannot explain. There is a whole spectrum of of neurological uh, kind of realities for us. Everybody has a different neurology. So I'm just giving you two, ex two extremes. One extreme is someone who is completely silent and they just, they're just, they're meant to be like that. They're just not meant to be creative, rah, rah, manifesting. No, no, I don't care about any of that. Now, again, the other end of the spectrum is Tony Ramos. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> you know? Another thing, there's nothing wrong with either. It's just their neurologists. That's how people are wired. I would assume uh, that uh, the person watching this video is more likely, was most of us, you are much more likely to be more on the creative side of the spectrum than on the silent side. But oh, you could be on the silent side as well. You could, you could be there as well. But it's important to understand this because if you are not driven to be creative and to create and to be like this rah-rah manifesting, don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it. this. Is this just kind of look into your reality, begin to kind of try to understand yourself and learn, just learn, like know thyself. Like whatever you do in your practice, meditation, whatever it is that you do, be, try to understand where you stand on the spectrum just so that you don't feel bad about you know so if someone calls you lazy but you're not lazy you're just maybe you just don't feel like doing anything and this is just you and this is just who you are uh by nature now on the other end of the spectrum it, it's highly likely that um you're watching this maybe you probably are there maybe but who knows Again, I don't know, I, but I suspect that more people are just because we live in this, in this type of world. I think just naturally more people are kind of creative. They, they, they want to do something. They want to create something. Now, if you are on that end of the spectrum, then you're going to have, then just remember that you, you're going to have a, a more of a challenge becoming present and spending time in silence and surrendering to the present moment. So you, it, it's just gonna be naturally harder for you, but it's okay. That doesn't mean that you, uh, you abandon the, 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 the dream of enlightenment. That there's, it absolutely does not mean that. 
it just need it just means that you need to understand where you stand so that you don't feel bad about where you are and and there is there's there's a difference you know if someone like Tony, who's born like tony robbins as, like begins to like gets into his head and, and as begins to aspire to be like someone like ramana maharshi to have uh, like a spontaneous experience like that it's probably not going to happen so your path is different you see it depending on where you are on the spectrum your path is going to be different it, it, you're going to have your own unique path and the, it, it, it is it is a path it is a spiritual path and it's a path of enlightenment when you have to take your neurology into account so that's the first thing very important the second thing also very important look at your life situation look where you are now are you do you feel that you are completely in alignment with your neurology do you feel that you're completely you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing in this world you're living in a very uh, in an environment that is highly conducive to that uh, do you have a spouse who is who resonates with you really you know like almost you know that it, it's such a natural connection that you you vibe together and you're moving together in this in this in this direction that you want to move or are you stressed out or maybe you hate your job or maybe you're in debt or maybe this and maybe that now, now, these are very different realities that you're in. And those different realities are going to affect the choices you make when it comes to your spiritual path. This is, again, you, you need to take everything into account. Let's say, I'll give, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> give an example. An example I really love is an example from a, a book of fiction, like the Count of Monte Cristo, but it can be applied to anybody, even if you've never read the book or watched the movie. It doesn't really matter. The truth is that as, as children, when we're born, we're born into a, a state where we are dependent on the environment. We're highly dependent. We're, we become independent only in our 20s, for God's sake. You know? But when we are infants, we can't even talk. We, are, we need to be taken care of. And so what happens is we are at the mercy. So our consciousness is at the mercy of whatever comes our way. We are born into a family that may be highly conscious or they may be highly unconscious. You know, they, 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 they could be, there could be harmony between the mother and the father. The, the, the parents could be absent, you know, by the time you're, you're, you know, you're out in this world, you know, you could be, you could be abandoned. They, anything can happen, but you, you basically what I'm saying is you are not in control of what's going to happen to you as a child. This means that it is highly likely that you've been influenced by things that don't have your best interests in mind they just didn't have your best interests in mind and if we dig deeper into it and you know even some of them well the most well-wishing parents may they may they may be under the illusion they have your best interests in mind that but in reality they may not be and and that is you know that that is something to keep in mind therefore nobody is immune it's just our human experience not to be immune to this type of an experience as, as a child. As a result, because it is highly likely that, that your environment and the people around you and the, and the religion and the, you know, because, you know, let, let's face it, the a religion is thrust upon you when, you are, when you're a kid. You don't get to choose your religion. Someone gives it to you. It just gets downloaded, <laughs> you know. But now, now you're 
you have a higher higher responsibility of you know taking taking control of what goes in and who you are and so on and so on and of course the challenge with that is that by the time we're a certain age things have kind of settled in here and it, it's it's you know we just live in a certain reality that we believe is completely true okay and that includes a lot of limitations a lot of boundaries of course also med meditation is one of those things that helps you dissolve these boundaries just like a psychedelic experiences for example they're boundary dissolving experiences but now, so what I'm trying to say is, uh, where I'm leading to actually, is this. By the time you're a certain age, you're like a teenager, a lot of damage has been done. A lot of damage has been done, even by the best parents in the world. And not only parents, because you're influenced by a lot of things as well, a lot of other things as well. But what the, the, the metaphor that I would like to give you is that you can think you can think of yourself depending on how you know you could be facing a situation that is like really bad really bad like you find yourself in a situation like how in the world did i get here what is this what is this i i'm completely unhappy i hate my work this and that nothing is working and i'm in debt and all you know it could be very really really bad or it could be may, may not necessarily be that bad but in any case this metaphor of like in an imprisonment is um, for, in fact, more precisely, unjust imprisonment is, um, is valid. Why? Because Dantes, this, this, this character in this book and in, in, in the movie, what happens to him, he's unjustly accused of a crime he did not commit. And he's not even accused of a crime. He's just simply unjustly accused and thrown into jail. And, and he's thrown into this prison, that, this uh, Chateau d'If, this castle of Eve. It is a real castle, actually, in the, in the Mediterranean on an island from which there's no escape. There's no escape. There are walls. The walls are, are like, like meters and meters and like 10 feet to 20 feet uh, thick, just be even between the cells. I mean, it's just a crazy place. So there's no escaping from that place. Seemingly, seemingly, because he does escape. He does escape. In, he escapes on the book, and we it, it happens in our human experience. Like I've escaped a reality like that more than once. <clears throat> so here's how this really relates to spirituality and, and our, the conversation that we're having, awakening entrepreneurship. If you are, if you find yourself in such a situation that you understand, you know what? Oh my god, I did not choose this. I really did not choose this. I was just guided here. And I, I don't know how I ended up here. I need to get out. Now, if you need to get out, you meditate, meditation will help you cope with the situation. But now is not the time to seek spirituality. It is not because you're not trying to adjust to the situation that you're in. It's not like you're planning to spend the rest of your life in this prison cell and just, just, just meditating. Forget about it. You need to get out. You need, you need to escape. You need to escape. You absolutely need to physically escape because otherwise you will simply spend the rest of your life there if you don't do something about it. Now, someone may say, well, Philip, you know what? It's, it's possible to, uh, what if you did accept the reality completely and that prison cell completely and you just simply meditated your way into complete surrender and then nothing would matter anymore. You have that option, but my, but 
chances are 99.99 and 99% that it's not going to work for you because you live in a real world. Today, today's world is different from the world to, you know, 2,500 years ago. We have so many opportunities, so many possibilities. We can smell the flowers, swim in the ocean, love and do this and do that. And instead, what are you going to do? You're going to just accept what you were confined to just because someone else meant that reality for you. And they didn't think about it. It just happened for you. Because remember, no one has your best interest in mind the way you have your best interest in mind once you understand who you really are. So if, you, if you're in that situation, your job is to just get out. It's just to, get, to escape. Your job is to escape. You need to escape. Yeah. Okay. So that is, these are the two things to consider that, you know, it, it, yes, there is. So can I just, can I just uh, yes. recap that? So, so the first one is that we are um, on a spectrum between, um, we could, we could be, in a spectrum of complete sort of silence or in enlightened introversion, if you like, uh, or creativity and um, manifestation. And people are, are across that spectrum and varying right. degrees. And a lot of people may find themselves more on the creative doing side, action oriented side. And that's actually fine to be in either. And the second one is that we sometimes have to change our circumstances and just take action to change our, our circumstances immediately um, before we do or embark on any deep spiritual journey because the circumstances we're in may not allow for that. Is that right? Uh, yes, yes, uh, that is right. But I wanna, I wanna do a little uh, kind of a little uh, correction on to the second part. Yep. Um, yes, you do begin your you you begin your journey right where you stand here and now. Here and now you begin your journey, and yes, you begin your meditation and you begin your spiritual path. It's just that it's just that um, sometimes it is time to change circumstances much more intensely than it is to adjust to the circumstances that that you're in. Okay, it's just that you need to understand. Okay, so I'm 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 telling you this because don't feel bad about wanting to change your reality don't feel bad about like if you're thinking to yourself yeah but you know i want to surrender to this but what do i what do i do about like you know i hate my job i don't want to be here uh, okay that's perfectly legitimate change your job just begin with begin with a simple meditation practice so and also something to to point out, I mean, there's obviously a lot of to talk about. There's a lot, a lot of things to say, yeah. but very yeah. quickly, I'm going to mention about the first part about the spectrum. Is that don't forget that you, uh, someone who is on one end of the spectrum, can be pulled to the other end of the spectrum, uh, either temporarily or or permanently. Yeah. Uh, for example, Eckhart Tolle was at one point he was uh, like he basically he wrote a book. In order to write a book, writing the book is a creative act. So at some point, he just got so much insight as a result of his revelation that he was just compelled to write this book. And he was just, and he couldn't, he couldn't help it. He couldn't help it. He wanted to, he, he absolutely needed to write that book. So this may happen to you as well, but it can happen the other way around as well. You're doing, 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 all of a sudden you realize, you know what, I just don't want to be doing much. Yeah. And you and you pull to the other other end. There's nothing is static. There's this ebb and flow, and everything right. is moving. And you you may be inspired to create, and you may inspire to be intensely creative, 
that's right you may also retreat it reminds me of the uh you know the the Lao Tzu quote you know there's there's a time for being still there's a time for being in action there's a you know there's a time for everything that, that, exactly uh, that's exactly. Uh, really really insightful and actually our our conversation lasted so much longer than than I was even anticipating myself um I really enjoyed having this conversation with you uh, Philip and um the the story was incredibly powerful come on before you conclude before you even conclude would, yeah. would you like me to give like uh, to give your viewers uh like a a practice like something really really practical yeah, sure, stuff sure. that they can do Please. just want to give you a quick framework it's something that i um just kind of came to me in in my own practice as kind of also as an epiphany but it was it was an insight but i want to give it to your viewers because it changed my life it changed my life and and here it is, it's actually very simple, but here's what it's about. I myself, I have a daily inner work practice. So I do something every single day without fail, but okay, this year I skipped twice. I, I skipped two days for whatever reasons, you know, but I absolutely make sure to do it every single day. This is like, this is my life. Without it, this is like a, the, the pillar of my life, how I, how I know exactly what to do, how I do it, and then how I, you know, how I remain in the present moment. And how I manifest uh, wonderful people like yourself who invite me to a podcast. <laughs> okay, so this is, this is what I do. Every single day, my practice consists of three parts. And let me explain what they are. So first of all, these are these are the three parts the part one i call it the aim wheel what is what is that it's awareness insight manifestation wheel and you can think of it as as a triple yin yang symbol you know the double yin yang you can think of it as triple yin yang it's the, the three things three things kind of in motion like it's just moving around the first one is meditation it's basically silence just I don't care what your situation is. You can always surrender to that situation, no matter how bad it is. And that's the first step. The step one, regardless of where you are, yes, in the imprisonment, like we were talking about and so on. Step one, meditation. Why you want to accept reality? Because if you don't accept reality, then you're fighting what is. And that is futile. You're not supposed to be. Changing your situation is different from fighting the present moment. It's, it's, it's a very different thing. Don't fight with the present moment because it has brought you what it is. Be grateful for it. Surrender to it completely. In meditation, no thinking, complete silence. Just complete silence. Well, at least 10 minutes. At least 10 minutes a day, if you can do that. The next part. Now, the next part, the next two uh, segments of the, of the triple yin-yang, they both have to do with the mind. So the meditation is no mind. And then the two parts, the other two parts are have to do with engaging the mind. So the next part is insight. You're using your mind. You're actually engaging in thinking. And you could be silent, but you allow thinking. That's not a problem anymore. You're not trying to be silent anymore. At this point, what you're trying to do is to receive insights from your subconscious mind. Or by means of your subconscious mind. If Once you've done it for a while, you may be receiving insights from the infinite intelligence as well okay but that you know just over time it just it just happens it just happens 
And it can happen on the first day just because of the intention. Maybe something is, you know, maybe the infinite is trying to tell you something. You just, you're just too busy to sit down and listen. So, you know, it will happen. So the, the segment one, meditation. Next, segment two is insight. This is, and you use, just use exercises that are specifically aimed at receiving insight. One of them is like contemplation, just thinking about something. For example, uh, you know, I don't like this job. How do I get a better job? Then just sit down and think of, think of that for five minutes. How do I do that? Just sit down and think about it for five minutes. Okay. <laughs> Next part, final part is manifesting, the manifesting part. Once, because in the inside part, you you and you learn what it is that you're supposed to be aiming at what it is you're supposed to be doing in the manifesting part you begin to manifest that because in the in, let's say in this part you, you learn okay in order for me to get a better job i need to find out what i'm really good at okay now manifest a new reality visualize yourself being uh in like really knowing uh like really having a very good understanding or studying yourself taking the test or whatever this is really manifesting a new type of reality a new reality in which you are you know in the new situation now and why is this a word it is a whirling wheel because now now that you know what to do you're doing it and you come across obstacles obstacles show up you do something new obstacles show up nothing wrong with that an obstacle shows up, what do you do? You go back to meditation, back to silence. Okay, an obstacle. You, you simply surrender to the obstacle first. And then you go to the next step, inside. How do I overcome the obstacle? That's it. And then how do you, okay. And then manifest the solution. And then go back to silence. And just cycle through this every single day. You can substitute any kind of exercises you want in the manifesting part. You could do uh, visualization, you could do NLP, whatever you want. There, there are all kinds of things. But the framework, the framework remains the same. So first, meditation, which is silence, then insight, which is receiving information, just receiving information, and then manifesting. And this is how you consciously manifest a completely different reality in which you become more and more present, the reality is much more conducive to your spiritual, you know, spiritual growth or progress on the spiritual path. And just everything just begins to improve. Everything just begins to gel for you. And just there's like, for me, I don't, I don't want to get out of that. This is just, it's just working. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. So there's a meditation and insight and then manifestation. And that's the exactly. wheel, which is, yeah, I can almost visualize it as well, you know, with the kind of coming out, the three spokes almost coming out. Perfect. You'll see it on my website. It actually, it's, it's a logo on my website anyway. So really, it's, uh, you'll, you'll see it. Entrepreneurship. Thank you so that's much. That's right. Yeah, re really, really enjoyable <laughs> conversation. And I'm sure we'll stay in touch in the, in the future. Of course. And so of on. Course. So, yeah, great conversation. Thank you for coming. And I'm so delighted that, that you were able to share your story with us. My pleasure. It's been, it's been fun. It's been exciting. It's been, yeah, great experience. Thank you. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you for tuning into this conversation with me on the Stories of Awakening podcast. It was an absolute delight to have you here. And this is just a reminder to head over to simplifyandmakespace.com to collect your free decluttering workbook to simplify your life and make way with the things that matter.